1: All right, everybody, welcome to another week of the Retro Gamers podcast. Uh, As you can see, Larry is not here this week, so I am doing the intro. So welcome, everybody, Uh, those of you who are listening and watching. uh, My name is Anthony. I'm one half of the Retro Gamers. And joining me this week, uh, filling in for Larry, is my good friend Rich, who's uh, over in Brooklyn, New York. So what's up, Rich? Eh, it's not the temperature, I'll tell you that much. Not the, Yeah, No, you were telling me before we started recording that uh, it's really cold there. So how cold is it in good old Brooklyn? Uh,
2: this morning it was negative 9 with a, uh, um, a real feel of negative, I'm sorry, it was 9 with a real feel of negative 17. Now oh,
1: that wind chill. 14. You know, um, I, w- I would love to say that I missed that as a former New Yorker, but I don't at all, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit? No, no, you know, um, actually, as of this recording, like, I just came back from a weekend in Las Vegas. Sure, Robin. Yeah, no, I, I definitely will. And it was a very cool and crisp 45 when I got in the car this morning. And then by the time I got back to Los Angeles, it was a absolutely frigid 65 degrees.
2: Yeah, I was. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah.
1: Nah. I know I know. you feel my pain. You know what?
2: Go down and bleed your heart over to, to Florida. They're complaining about it being 65 degrees as well over there.
1: Well, they're Floridians. What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so um, first off, thank you so much for joining me this week, especially, you know, on uh, I know it was on kind of short notice. So I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with me. And actually, and this is the first time you're joining us um, as a co-host that's true. Uh, you've been you've been on the show before, uh, you know, um, with with your wife Trish, and you've talked about some stuff. But now you've got uh, now, now you're in charge, basically, or half in charge. No pressure. So much power.
2: Yeah, love it.
1: But um, but yeah, so um, so I'm sure um, Larry Larry is uh, very happy to have you join us, so we can talk some, you know, and um, we've changed our format a little bit. We talk retro game, we talk we talk more current games as well. Um, which is cool and I have a couple of uh, I have a couple of recaps to do uh, on the show because I wasn't here last week because I was traveling as well. I was in St. Louis for the weekend Wait, and I got to tra- tra- what you were traveling. Uh, yes, I know. It's a very rare occurrence. I, 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 I barely ever leave my house these days, but um, I was traveling the last two weekends and last weekend I was in uh, St. Louis. How was that? Uh, it was it was cold. And, uh, they got a foot of snow while I was there. So yeah, I happened to show up the night before a big storm that went across the Midwest, uh, and then hit, uh, went all the way to Washington, DC. So, uh, I, we, uh, I was visiting friends, did not do a whole lot because of the snow. We did get around a little bit. Um, so. Well, we being to...
2: a Californian, you got to experience snow for the first time in a while. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? And, uh, I'll tell you what I told my friend there was that, um, uh, I really miss the snow, but I prefer it when I visit because I get to leave it behind. I don't have to worry about all the work and everything that's involved in it. So, uh and I stand by that. Uh snow is cool when you're there for one or two days. When you live there and you have to shovel it and walk in it and deal with ice and all that stuff, no thanks.
2: Deal with all the other people, yeah,
1: no thanks. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and I know you enjoy that regularly. So, oh yeah. But um but anyway, so like while I was in St. Louis, uh, I wanted to give a uh, shout out to one of the stores that I managed to hit up while I was there. There were a couple of stores, actually. Um, and one was uh, I know we don't talk board games that much on this uh, show, but um, every once in a while we pull it out. But there's a store over there called Miniature Market in St. Louis. Cute. Like, it. like the name. Yeah. And I have to say, uh, it's probably the most comprehensive board game store I've ever seen. Now they have, um, they have um, uh, all the RPG games and everything like that, like uh, Warhammer and all that stuff on one side of the store. And then, the, but the other side of the store is all board games, and I've never seen so many board games in my life. Mm. Um, it was absolutely insane. And the name of the store actually sounded really familiar to me, and I couldn't figure, I couldn't put my finger on it. And I'm like, why do I know Miniature Market? And then when I did a little bit of research, I found out that Miniature Market was actually I have a cat who decided to jump up on my lap. You can see a tail wagging. That is not my tail. That is my cat's tail. (laughs) I will will show proof that it is my cat. They always love to get involved when I'm recording. Always. So now they get to be on TV. There you go. Um, But when I was doing the research for Miniature Market, I realized that the reason why I know the name is because, uh, go back about 10 or 12 years, or maybe more than that, you remember when HeroClicks first came out, the little HeroClicks yeah. games? Yeah. So,
2: Larry so and... They were, hot, they were there for like a hot minute. People loved them.
1: Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of faded into obscurity. Well, do you know that they still exist? Really? Yep. Yeah, they still make them. They, they, just, they just recently came out with... I, I don't know how old they are, but I did see them in a store recently. Uh, Batman, uh, Batman 66 television series Clicks. That you can Not play sure. with, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. But but um, the reason why I bring it up is because when my friends and I, like Larry and Anthony um, and a bunch of us, when we used to play Heroclix, we would order a case of them online because we wanted to make sure that we got the um, – the, uh, whatever the rare ones were called, the uniques. Right. We, used, we always wanted to make sure we got the uniques. And if you bought a case, you kind of wound up with like six or seven of them. And then we would randomly pick out pack, you know, boxes, and whoever got them got them. But um, the place we used to order them from, one of those places, was Miniature Market. Really? So yeah. So I basically wound up at the hub of a place that we used to shop at, like fourteen or fifteen years ago, maybe, for hero clicks. So I thought that was kind of funny.
2: You know, going with how it's it's funny how much smaller the world has become. Yes. I mean, here's this place that you you ordered from for how long? and you know all of a sudden just you're on a trip and next thing you know boom you're there
1: i'm in the store yeah and to top it off the the prices for their board games themselves were actually really really good and dare i say i think they can not only compete with amazon i think they were better than amazon for some of them Really? yeah some of the sale prices there i was like really surprised um so i wound up picking up a game um i picked up a small dice game called lucidity that has to do with like nightmares and Mm -hmm. i'm all about nightmares Mm -hmm. so Uh, I'm going to try that out with friends to see how it is. Then the other store that I visited in St. Louis, which uh, I promised I would give them a shout out because I thought they were a really cool store. They also had board games, but it was mainly a video game store. Uh, The name of the store was Arch City Gaming. Okay. Um, I think it was Arch City Gaming LLC, but it was called Arch City Gaming. Um, And it was a it was a retro store. They had everything going all the way back uh, to the Odyssey uh, up to present. Lots and lots of beautiful stuff. Uh, and oh, I went. Wa- oh, what? How were the prices? The prices were actually pretty good. Okay. Um, I picked up. Uh, I'll just show this. This is kind of wrapped up, but um, I haven't opened it yet. But I got a poster, and I'll show this off again one day once I open it. But you, I don't know if you can see like what this looks like here. It looks like a controller.
2: Yeah, I see the, right. the PlayStation controller.
1: Yeah, it's a periodic table. You know the periodic table in chemistry. It's a periodic table, table of ge- uh video game controllers. Really? So that was really cool. That's kind um, of
2: awesome. I love that.
1: Yeah, that, that was really awesome. I'm looking forward to framing that. And then I also snagged a game for the Sega CD. For some odd reason, when I go retro shopping, Sega CD is kind of the first system I look for. And I don't know why. I, I'm very fixated on Sega CD. I don't know if it's because it was the first real CD-based system that I, that I had. But I gravitate towards it. So I picked up a boxing game called Prize Fighter that I used to own. And it was basically full motion a full motion video boxing match and you just had to you know punch the guy at the right time and then it would go into an anim- you know it would show the guy getting punched or the guy would punch you and the thing would shake it's not a not a great game by any means. But um, I picked that up and then I picked up something else that we'll talk about a little bit later cuz it's related to one of the other segments. Okay. So I'm going to circle back there, but um Uh, Anybody who's in the St. Louis area, um, you should definitely check out Arch City Gaming. Mike, uh, you know, we put uh, uh, images up on our Facebook page. Uh, The owner there, Mike, uh, you know, responded and gave it, you know, was very grateful. So, Mike, you know, great store. Love your store. Uh, we definitely visit it again next time I'm in St. Louis, especially because of what I managed to pick up there, which we'll talk about later. And then this weekend, which I just came back from right before this we re- recording this i went to las vegas and whenever i go to las vegas there are two places that i always visit one is the pinball hall of fame which i absolutely love and uh, rich That's next fun. time yeah next time you're out here we got to hit up vegas and yeah vegas you know gambling and all that stuff but we got to hit up vegas for the pinball hall of fame cuz i think you'll absolutely love it
2: i'm a crazy for it i love good, there's nothing better than a good pinball game i mean like oh yes yeah. Used to love when you would go to the backs of like some of the stores and they would have it or whatever. And there was one uh, when I was a kid. I used to love the Mars Attacks. At oh my game. god! Yes. And I loved that one. I used to be able. I don't know what it was about that one, but I was always able to get like uh, free games out of it because just I guess the way the scoring always worked. Yeah. Always got the the free game out of it.
1: Uh, you always hit that whatever that target score was. Yeah. Yeah, It was either that or you had to match, you know, when you ran out of balls and you know, it gave you the opportunity to match, which I never do. Yeah. I think I matched once my entire life. Um, yeah, so the uh, the Pinball Hall of Fame, they've got a lot of games that I know you would love. They've got two Spider Man games, one of them is always out of order. Uh, it's an older one, I, I guess they just haven't figured out how to fix it, but um, just the artwork on it is absolutely stunning. Oh, I like it, man. Yep, there's an, uh, an X Men one, um, they've got a Nightmare on Elm Street one, which so, I personally love. Movie yeah. X-Men, cartoon X-Men. Cartoon, uh, comic book X-Men.
2: Comic book X-Men,
1: nice. Comic book X-Men. Uh, and it, lo- it looks really, really good. There's like a 3D model of Wolverine in there and everything. It's, it's a really cool game to play. Uh, but anyway, uh,
2: My a ton local of them. comic shop actually um, had for a while, I don't know, I haven't seen it there in a while now, but they had a Superman pinball game. That uh, they, had, they had gotten it signed because Neil Adams does a lot of uh, signing events there. So they had Neil Adams sign it. Oh, so, that, I
1: that's special. Yeah. Very cool. I think I saw the Superman one. Uh, I saw a Superman Pinball Machine, but it was in the store across the way mm. from the Pinball Hall of Fame. Because there's a store across the way that I go to called the Gamer's Paradise, where I do some retro shopping. And, and they have a small arcade. What? Is it a paradise? Uh, it's a paradise for me. There you go. I mean, holy cow. I mean, they have display cases showing every single system, starting with the Odyssey up, uh, with descriptions of each one. Um, and then they have an ar- a small arcade of their own in the back where they have a bunch of pinball machines, one of which is the Superman one I just mentioned. But then they also have some video games like they have Marvel Capcom 2 there. They've, I think they've got Asteroids. They've got some uh, st- uh, Star Wars uh, trilogy arcade. Oh, I remember that one. Which is a great one. So they have a cool little arcade. And then they have the store itself. Um, and the, uh, again, I always like bringing up cool stores that I go to. So Game is Paradise is my Las Vegas store that I go to. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that, that I, I, I saw, and I think this leads into what we were going to discuss first today, um, was a, um, they had something that allowed you to play like a bunch of retro games on one little system. Really? Um, yeah, and I know, it, it, and it's one of the things Larry and I debated all the time um, with, you know, because, you know, using emulation to play games or not, is it a good thing? Is it not? What's the legality issues with all of it? Um, and so uh, I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to start discussing that with you and what your thoughts are with it, because lately, or most recently, Nintendo has now been attacking, and not attacking, they've been legally attacking, they've been legally going after. Right. Any emulation sites? It? Uh,
2: down, uh, was it they shut down? Was it MU Paradise? I think they recently shut down.
1: I think they shut down MU Paradise, and I think Love Love ROMs or something like that. Yeah. Um, but basically, anybody who's got uh, ROMs out there of Nintendo, you know, of Nintendo games or anything Nintendo own, that you know, you got to look out because they're you know now they're coming after people legally. Um, yeah. But then there was always the question of, well, are is there any Um, is there any legal standing for people who do play emulated games? You know, for example, like if I own a game, like and my stance has always been, if I own the game or physically own the game and I paid for it, I don't see a reason why I can't have an emulated version of the game because I did pay for it originally. Right. But, um, and I know like, as we, you know, as we grew up with the, you know with the birth and the boom of the internet um and of course you know the whole napster fiasco with you know do they have the rights to the songs and you know the the famous um the famous court case that metallica um did going after napster yeah um, which eventually which eventually i think was one of the main reasons why it doomed napster what'd you say by the way
2: i was one of the people that metallica kicked off
1: you're one of the people metallica went after
2: yeah
1: nice yeah. Did, did 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 you adhere to their wishes?
2: Um. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. So, but uh, it was no. It was just funny. It was like I tried to get on Napster back in the day, and all of a sudden it said uh, you've been ban- You've been blocked by Metallica, and I was you've like, been...
1: "Wow, you pissed them off." Yeah.
2: Hey, listen, whatever. It was a yeah. long time ago.
1: I know. And, there, and you know, and with Napster came a whole bunch of other sites. There was like, a, I remember one called Bear Share, mm-hmm. which did the same exact thing. But basically, you know, um, we grew up with the Internet, you know, with the Internet being born. And then all of a sudden people figuring out ways to offer content for free. Right. Um, which stemmed over to video games. So I don't know, like in your past, have you ever have you did you ever experience any, you know, like. Any type of emulation or hacks or anything that, like, you thought were really cool that now, like, you know, obviously you can't do anymore?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, look, you, you, emulation, uh, here's, here's my, you know, my thoughts on it, first of all, is, look, you, this stuff that's out there, first of all, it's getting harder and harder to, to find some of the games that you might want to be able to get. Um, even though you have eBay, you have all these other things. That does make it a little bit tough. Um, I guess the other thing is, you know, playing it. <clears throat> one of the features that I love about that emulation allows that the actual versions don't allow is that save state. Mm-hmm. I love being able to, because especially nowadays, it's like, who has the time to sit there and and try to, you know, like... You're trying to land that frigging, the plane in Top Gun, and it's like, I don't want to sit there and keep having to play the first mission over and over and over mm-hmm. again, because of the fact that I, keep, I can't land this plane. And right. then, it's, you know, it's like, alright, save state, boom, try to land it. I didn't land, reload, boom, go back. So I love that aspect of it. But going with something you were talking about, the modding, uh, the, the, ha- uh, the hacks, rather. Mm-hmm. Those hacks, there are some Phenomenal hacks that are out there, that um, you know that that I've seen that are really really cool. Um, one that I just recently seen was um, I'm a, I'm a huge Metroid guy. Love Metroid. Love the original Super Metroid. <laughs> yeah,
1: L- Larry actually said that uh, this was just going to be a Metroid only conversation this week. Once I told him that you were going to be on, <laughs> that's all right.
2: <laughs> but um, they somebody apparently took um Zero Mission the the original Metroid but redid it using the Super Nintendo graphics and sprites. Oh wow. Yeah. And it's weird like it's weird trying to play it because it's like they took a lot of of liberties to it where um you know it's like you actually see the ship coming down, you see the you know Samus running in into uh Planet Zebs now. Um and it's like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool that you did that. And then the other thing is, it's like, you know, you're used to the old games where it's like you have to keep hitting the button to be able to shoot.
1: Mm-hmm. Now it's
2: like you press, you hold, and it just keeps firing. Oh, okay. So that was kind of like kinda Sage, cool.
1: Saved you uh, the potential carpal tunnel.
2: But then all of a sudden I was like, thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's actually the way it worked in the original Metroid was you just press the button and she would just keep on firing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, they did their homework pretty well on that one. So it's Very- kind of cool, you know, being able to see that. And then of course, just having that, that Super Nintendo graphics of it, because once again, going into it, I love myself, my Metroids. Yeah. This year has us all wanting to be healthier, and that includes our eye health. But how do you get vision coverage if you're retiring? It's actually pretty easy. VSP, the vision coverage many people get through work, offers individual vision plans. Enroll anytime, on any device, and start using your benefits the same day. You don't need to be an employee to get employee-level vision coverage.
1: Visit vspdirect.com today. That's vspdirect.com. Alex Guthrie here. Check out my latest episode of Remodel Revolution. Hey, maybe you need some remodeling advice. Maybe you just need a good laugh. Maybe your other half was right all along. Learn some secrets from the pros. Get some good common sense advice about your home. You might find we've made some of the same mistakes. Listen, there's nothing a little bit of humor won't fix. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode of Remodel Revolution. And Super Metroid, you know, was fantastic. The graphics were great. It was smooth. So up updating the previous version on the NES is, yeah, I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah.
2: And then but, uh, there was—I uh, remember there was uh, once again going into uh, the continuing the love fest of Metroid.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I think it was—I uh, forget it—I forget the exact name of it, but I think it was a uh, Super Metroid redesign.
1: Okay. Played this one? No, I have not.
2: Some apparently, some people went out there. And they just, they took the map and basically made it where it's like, okay, you want to be able to beat Super Metroid, you have to do this knowing how to do every single trick in the book. Like, oh, you wow. need to know how to bomb, you need, you need to bomb jump, you need to know how to wall jump, like, everything. You needed to know how to be able to run, um, and then, uh, with uh, the, the hype, not the hyper jump, but when she would jump, and then just hyper shoot across the screen. right you needed to be able to do, like, all of those things. So it was, I, I you know, I mean, like, I've seen people give up on this really, really fast because it's, it's hard.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, diff- difficulty is always going to play into those things. Um, but, you know, it's also part of the challenge. I mean, again, one of the things we grew up at, we didn't have safe states. No. Not for the most part. Um, you know, I mean, aside from a couple of games like Zelda, yeah, um, where you were able to, I mean, most games, it's like you sat down and you played until you beat thing um, or, you died. or you died. And that was it. Um, some of them had, you know, a, a handful of them had codes like Mega Man. Yeah. Um, we give you a code. But for the most part, it's like you were in for the long haul the minute you turned on that game. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There was this great picture that I saw online. Um, it was a I'm guessing it was a father. He had the old Lion King from the Super Nintendo
1: oh i love that game it's so hard
2: and he goes i will give you 20 dollars each if you can get past the third level how hard could it be yep and from what i understand i never played it but i've heard that you know you were just saying that game was like really super hard
1: it was i remember the um the first time i got I don't remember if I I believe I beat the game if I don't if I'm remembering correctly but I also remember how long it took me to get through that game because it took forever and I remember like specifically there's one level uh with the stampede I think that's the level he's talking about Yeah that might be level 3 um because I know I remember levels 1 and 2 fondly because I played through them a million times because mm-hmm. level level 3 which I believe was the stampede was so hard to get through, uh, and it was such an interesting, um, it was such an interesting angle because it was Simba running towards you, so you're watching Simba running at you towards the screen, and then you got the stampede running behind them, and you just got to move out of the way at the right time. But it was always so hard to read when you had to move. Um, yeah,
2: um, All right. so question for you. Yeah, what's harder, the stampede? Or the bikes in Battletoad?
1: Oh I think you gotta go with Battletoad. Yeah. Well, mostly because I don't think I ever got past that in Battletoad, and I actually did get past the Stampede in Lion King eventually. So <laughs> Fair enough. So I gotta go with that. Yeah, Battletoad is definitely a game I've never beat. Um But uh going back to uh going back to um hacks and everything like that. I mean do you think like with the way you were explaining Metroid, I mean, do you think it would be better if like uh, if Nintendo would just kind of accept that these exist or if anything, make you know, strike a deal with these people to get these things, um, you know, offered to their audience as opposed to trying to shut them down and erasing them from existence.
2: There was, did you hear about the uh, Another Metroid 2 remake? I did not. So it was a guy, he had this project that he ran for years, absolute years. Mm-hmm. And um, what he did was, and this was long before uh, the Samus Returns for the, for the 3DS was even a thought at this point. Uh, what he did is he, re- he decided he wanted to take the um, Metroid 2, where mm-hmm. she goes to SR388 and tries to eradicate the Metroids. And he decided, I, he didn't use Super Metroid. I want to say he used either the Fusion or the Zero Mission sprites. Okay. And- combination of the two it might have even been two and he recreated the entire thing and for years he kept posting these updates and posting doing all these things and the minute he released it the full version of the game nintendo cease and desist and it's like but the guy isn't even doing it and charging you know it's like he just released it and said hey this is something that I've worked on. This is a pro- project of my own, you know, of my pride. Right Here it is for other fans. And Nintendo was just like, boom, no. Yeah. And what I would say is, you know, I would love to see going with, like, um, I guess kind of like uh, what I've seen Xbox do and PlayStation do, where they kind of have, like, these, um, you know, like these indie kind of developers release mm-hmm. these games. And it's like, okay, you know, let's put it this way you want to charge me five bucks for that game i gladly pay you five bucks for this game Mm -hmm. and and play it so there's there's a market there that i think that you could very easily tap into with the with these people you know put a little disclaimer that this is not nintendo you know but just throw it up there throw it out there even explore it you know there's creativity out there and you have these guys that are probably going to go on into gaming in some way, shape, or form. So I think it would be kind of cool to explore that. And who knows, you might even find some people to bring into Nintendo or bring into Microsoft or PlayStation or whatever and go that route. So Yeah.
1: No, and I agree with that. I, I guess the biggest issue with it is, um, yeah, I uh, the whole indie gaming industry is awesome because you do see, like, these brilliant ideas getting brought into video games it's when it's when a creator is using licensed material and that's why like even even though they're offering it for free because it's a licensed property that's the reason why nintendo sends sends the cease and desist but to your point i think i think it's a perfect opportunity to farm new talent um, and to bring them on board with and also not only bringing them on board but bringing a game bringing Potentially a or an already created game into your library, where very little you know, very little additional work needs to be done. Or to your point, if you know, maybe uh, you know, bring it in, tweak it so that it fits the canon of you know of your property, and then you know, and then release it for everybody. I think it. it I think it's just a no brainer. I mean, we all grew up on these games. We all you know, we all love them. And now that people are you know, now that we're all adults and people can make games. Um, why not? Why not turn to the you know? Why not turn to these diehard fans? It makes me think about um, a couple of things. One is uh, there was a Kickstarter last year for um, these guys who created an NES Maker, which is basically a you know, it, it you can create your own eight-bit video games. Oh, that's and cool! It, and it's like it's point and click, drag and drop. I actually gave to the Kickstarter, and I have the program. I have yet to open the program and use it because time is. <laughs> Time is my enemy. Um, I never have time for it, but I've seen what I've seen what other people have made in it, and it's phenomenal. I mean, you can literally you can just drag and drop your way into building your own video game, which is fantastic. That's Um, right, and
2: um, um, Mario Maker to a certain extent.
1: Yeah, like Super Mario Maker, which is basically make your own Mario game, Uh, or go back to the Super Nintendo Mario Paint, where you got to kind of create your own stuff on there. Um, one of these days I'm gonna fish out the music video I created on Mario Pink many oh, moons ago. Oh, oh I have it hiding somewhere. But um but there but the point is it's like, you know, somebody who's making like a, a program called the NES Maker, like that's not necessarily like, you know, that's a couple of fans of, you know, the eight bit gaming era that are trying to, you know, pay homage to it in a way by allowing people to create their own independent games, which I think is an awesome opportunity. Um oh. and then yeah. Go, Go ahead. No, no, finish. So uh two other ones that I've uh that I
2: remember seeing um recently was uh somebody did a, a hack where you could play the original Super Mario Brothers the, from nineteen eighty five mm-hmm. where both Mario and Luigi are on the screen at the same time.
1: Oh it's so like a co-op
2: as a co op game. That's now, really cool. Imagine two people trying to get through like some of the later levels in that game like how much you would have to work in conjunction and it's just kind of like wow that's so freaking cool having that type of a hack and once again throw it throw it up onto the e-shop and people will buy it
1: yeah and and, and it's a very simple hack at that yeah you know you know and just yeah something simple and something brilliant and i guarantee you like i'm sure nintendo Uh, And and other, you know, and other companies like Sony and Microsoft and everything like that are pulling ideas from all these, you know, all these people who are developing games, um, you know, outside of their purview, Um, you know, and then they get, you know, the the sad thing about it is that they can take full advantage of it and say for that for that for that uh, example alone. Hey, you know what? We've never done this before. So why don't we, you know, obviously cease and desist that guy and then release this on our own. As, uh, you know, as, a new, as a new way to play the original Mario Brothers game. Yeah. So. Once again, I know
2: I, that's one of those things that knowing my, you know, when I get together with my, my buds and we all sit down and we all play games, hells, I would love to be able to, to do that. Yeah. You know, just thinking about the, the insanity that would ensue. Right. And another one was um, apparently some guy, um, were you a Mortal Kombat fan? I forgot. Oh, huge. Okay. Did you see the reveal? For yes, 11? I did. All right, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so, uh, Mortal Kombat Two, which I know is is kind of like the, everybody
1: like the definitive Mortal Kombat game,
2: right? Which that's a whole other argument for me. I, I actually would say I was not a fan of Two, but that's besides. Okay. But some guy apparently hacked it where he put in a whole bunch of uh, additional characters that were supposed to be there, like a lot of the hidden characters are now in the main menu and what have okay. you. But the cool thing is, he did tag mode. He incorporated 2v2 into it.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And it's not just simply like, oh, okay, you pick two and I pick two. Four players, you know, and like, it would be me, you, versus Anthony and, and, and uh, Verdi. Okay. So... Like, could you once again, could you, I want, I'm not a fan of Mortal of Mortal Kombat 2, but hells if I wouldn't sit down and play that game because that would just be friggin' awesome.
1: Yeah, no, and I would definitely play that as well. If you can do like a four player mode, it's kind of, yeah, it's like, um, it's like a, it's like a Mario Party game with Mortal Kombat in a way. Yeah. And that's yeah, and that's awesome. And again, it's like those little tweaks that maybe they, either they're not, they don't think of that, maybe appealing to some people and whatnot. That I feel like would benefit the video game industry more. And it also brings new life to retro gaming. You know, retro gaming is becoming it. Th- you know, it's definitely been uh, becoming a thing for the last few years. Um, but aside from bringing back what's old, it's like put a spin on it and make something new out of it. Now Nintendo's been kind of doing that with this with the Switch Online, so. For example, like there's a, there's a Legend of Zelda on the Switch Online where it's kind of like a faster way to beat the game. It's already halfway done for you. Hmm. So – and this was, something, this was something I think that they released in Japan uh, years ago. Uh, it, was just like a, it was just like another way to, to play through the game if you didn't have the time to – or you couldn't figure out how to do all of it. It's like, well, we, here, we give you a little bit of a handicap and we give you some of the items – um so that you can get through the game faster but things like that that you can do with other really popular games like you think about the castlevania series and the metroid series and you know all of those franchises that you can go back and just tweak it in a way to make it fun that Mortal Kombat 2 one sounds awesome and i would love to see that and i would love to see that with street fighter or any other fighting game that you loved playing on those older systems
2: well even going uh with an actual release that they did was the nes remix Yes, that was fantastic. Oh, my God. I loved it. And just, you know, it's like, okay, I don't want to sit down and play through the entire game to beat, you know, old Metroid. Okay, well, just play through these quick little snippets. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wait, you could beat Kraid. You could beat Ridley. You could beat Mother Brain and Escape. You know, it's yeah. like the Cliff Notes version of the game. And it's... Yes.
1: Yeah, or, or, the, or, they played, you know, or they played with the level. So you had to do, like, something specific. Right. Uh, before you got through it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, something like that is absolutely brilliant. So, um, I, you know, to me, I say invite everybody that you can to join in the fun instead of just trying to, you know, slap everybody with lawsuits.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're on the same page with me on this. It, uh, it makes discussing it a lot easier.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, be, uh, if I wasn't, it would make it for a very interesting argument.
1: Well, me, I mean, and you know what, usually I'm on the other side of the argument because uh, I understand the, you know, I understand what material is proprietary, you know, I mean, I work in the entertainment industry, so I'm always about, I'm very anti, I'm very anti-movie piracy. Right. You know, so whenever I hear anybody talking about, oh, well, you know, I downloaded the movie online and I watched it for free, I just look at them, I'd be like, you know, thousands, thousands and thousands of people worked on this stuff and, you know, the more people that download it. The less likely these people are going to get hired, because you know it's 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 a give and take. It's like you're st- you're basically stealing money. Granted, the film film industry to me is very overinflated as it is, but at the same time, it's like you know tons of people work on this stuff, and for everybody who downloads it for free, you know it becomes an issue on the back end. Uh, it's the same thing to me. It's the same thing with video games, and I understand the whole idea of license rights and all of those things. I'm just saying there's got to be a window. There's got to be a window where you can open it up and say, hey, you know what, if you've got a great idea for Metroid, if you've got a great idea for Castlevania, you know, instead of just making it and throwing it out on the Internet, uh, you know, bring it to us, present it to us the same way, you know, the same way you can send um, you can pitch a a movie or TV series to Amazon or to Netflix or something like that where you can submit it, submit your game to Nintendo or Sony or whoever and, you know. And see what happens even if it is for a licensed property you never know what can necessarily happen of course then comes the risk of oh well they stole my idea and then made it themselves right but um you know it's just you know legal stuff sucks yeah that's that's the other i would love to get a i would love to actually get like a like a lawyer on here to actually really get into the meat of it because it's it's a constant debate that we have or a constant discussion we have because especially now lately like all of a sudden we hear this news stuff comes up between Nintendo and all these other companies. Um, The Friday the 13th game on PlayStation four and Xbox one was, you know, a victim of that because the writer, the writer of the original Friday the 13th won his, you know, won his lawsuit in court um, where, you know, they said that he had the rights to the film, not the director. Um, And as a result of that, instead of the writer saying, okay, now continue developing the game and just give me a cut
2: wait he killed it what he killed the game
1: he basically killed yeah, yeah
2: see he made, what I did
1: there? yes he killed the game <laughs> he slaughtered the game he no, he didn't kill the game outright but basically as a result of the of the court uh or of the uh, lawsuit they're not allowed to add anything else to the game so they can't upgrade the game in any way so the game still exists and you can still play it in its current format but you can't add anything new. And the and again, for games like that that are multiplayer online games, the bread and butter of them involves adding material. And because it can't add any material, it's just a matter of time before it becomes DOA because you can buy other multiplayer games where you can get upgrades constantly. Dead by Daylight is a perfect alternative to Friday the 13th. But oh, every... Way,
2: when you, you asked me about that game, uh, mm-hmm. if I... And I said, oh, wasn't that a launch game? I was thinking of Dying Light. Oh, OK. That was the one I was thinking of.
1: Right. now, de- yeah. Dead by Daylight is a multiplayer online game. But then every like every month, just about they're releasing new stuff that you can buy. New outfits for characters. And, and then every so often they add a new level with a new killer and a new character you can play. Yeah, so they got so- Michael
2: Myers. They got Freddy.
1: They've got Michael Myers, they've got Freddy, they've got Leatherface, they've got uh, the pig from Jigsaw. Like, they've got licensed people in the game. Yeah. And with the, way, with the way Friday the 13th is going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to predict and won't be long before, you know, we're going to see Jason Voorhees show up in Dead by Daylight because the Friday the 13th game is going to be dead. Yeah. So, um, but again, it's just one of those things. It's all, it's all these legal debates and then, you know, are um, hacks good or bad? Are emulations good or bad? Would love to hear from everybody who uh, listens and watches our show because this is something you know that affects all of us now as gamers, uh, especially retro gamers, games that.
0: Thanks for calling Toyota, this is Jan. Hi
1: Jan, I heard Toyotathon is on? It sure is. Perfect, I'm getting a head start on my list for Santa. Well, we've got great year-end deals on Camry, Highlander, RAV4, and more. But what kind of toys do you have? It's actually Toyotathon, not
2: Toyotathon. We have great deals on vehicles, not toys. I'm sorry, sweetie. Okay, what can I get for five bucks?
1: Current offers end November 30th. Toyotathon ends January 4th. Participating dealers only. Toyota, let's go places. You guys can't get your hands on anymore arcade games that you never see come to a system to play. It's like, what are your thoughts on this? You know, have you played them on an emulator site before? What do What's you think? Sound game off?
2: you used to play as a kid. You would love to see. You would love to be able to sit down and play again.
1: Wrestlefest. There's no question. Yeah. No question. I put probably put more quarter, quarters in Wrestlefest than any other arcade game, hands mm-hmm. down. For me, you yeah. And, oh, the original aliens. That game was awesome.
2: The side-scrolling shooter. I yes. just love that game. Loved it. That,
1: that game was amazing. And again, these are games that we don't see anymore. Like we'll never like, or at least until somebody licenses them the right way. We don't see them available for download. Every once in a while we get one like uh, Xbox 360 got X-Men the arcade game, we got Simpsons the arcade game, which is great. I was like, but there are hundreds, if not thousands, of arcade games that we've yet to see ported to a console. Yeah. Um, you the know, Spider Man arcade game. Do you remember that one? Yeah. What about this? Do you remember the Spider Man one? Yeah. Yep. The Spider Man one, which played like Captain America and the Avengers. Never saw that anywhere. Black uh, Hawkeye and. Um, Namor, Civil Mariner. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then again, so yeah, so just sound off on our Facebook page. facebook.com slash retro gamers podcast let us know your thoughts about uh, some of these games what you think about the you know the legal issues do you like do you prefer seeing hacks or not Um, and what kind of games you know do you wish they would bring to uh, our consoles that uh, you haven't seen yet
2: yeah Uh, streets of rage remake i don't know if you ever that's another one that
1: looks awesome though by the way
2: oh my god i mean i've seen of it
1: yeah so but that's actually officially going to be released. Was that? That's official. That will be released. Really? Yeah. That's my. That, at least that's my understanding of it. So wow,
2: that's awesome.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so we'll hey. see. All right, Rich. So um, this is going to be one of our uh, mini segments that we have on our show. I know uh, you don't. You know. You know. This is your first time hosting uh, or co-hosting with me. So uh, we're going to jump right into this. This segment is called "Did You Know." And basically, we try and rattle off a little bit of information that, you know, our listeners and you as well may not have actually known about a certain subject. So this week's Did You Know is actually console related. So and uh, we're going to switch over to the world of Sega for a minute. Now, you've you've owned the Sega Genesis before, correct? I
2: have. And, and I have to say that I also own the Saturn.
1: Ah, yes. Uh, the ill-fated Saturn.
2: Yeah, but that's a whole other story.
1: Whole other story. Did you own a Sega CD? I did not. You did not own a Sega CD. Okay. But you do know of the Sega CD and how it would attach itself to the Sega Genesis, right? Yeah, right. And then there was an actual Sega CD combo called the CDX, which was one piece that had the Sega CD and the Genesis um, slot together. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you know, though, that... Sega actually allowed another company to create a Sega Genesis and Sega CD combination console.
2: Really? Yes. No, I knew about the CDX, but I didn't know about that. The the, comp- the other the other company.
1: Yeah. So here's here's the story, and I'll be as quick as I can about it. Okay. JVC, you know the company JVC, right? Of course. Okay. So. What happened was back in uh, back in the 90s, JVC helped Sega deliver an advanced sound, uh, like just the most advanced sound you can make at the time for their gaming consoles, um, specifically the Sega CD, because they Se- they wanted the Sega CD games because they were CD based. They wanted them to have more impact, so they you know so they had JVC come in and really up the sound experience on them. Um, and the audio that came out of it was actually better than what you heard on a CD player at the time. So if you listen to a Sega CD, thanks to JVC, you know, they were able to make really significant sound advancements on their console. Now, as
2: part of... i didn't in one second here. Yep. Do you still have your original PlayStation 1? I do. It is actually, the hipsters discovered this, it is probably one of the highest quality CD players that's out on the market still to this day.
1: Really? Yep. Wow. Well, thank you for the information hipsters.
2: There you go. So keep going.
1: All right, so going back to JVC. Now, as part of the deal that they made with Sega for creating you know creating the advanced sound for them, Sega allowed JVC to create their own console that played um, Sega Genesis and Sega CD games. And as a result of this, on September first, nineteen ninety four, we had the release of what was called the JVC XI. And it was a high it was a it was a hybrid console.
2: That's a lot of letters, by the way.
1: It's a lot of letters. JVC XI. And the it was X apostrophe E Y-E. <laughs> That's how you spelled it. Okay. It came out September 1st of 1994 for a price of $499. Now.
2: That was expensive, then.
1: It was expensive then, and th- there were a couple of issues with this. Um, first off, the higher price tag, you can buy a Sega Genesis and a Sega CD at the time for less money. Yep. So why you would buy this was kind of a question mark. They did add some features to it. So you can play your Sega Genesis and Sega CD in a single unit. Um, you, when you played your games, it had better video and audio than the Sega Genesis and Sega CD. So you were getting some advancement for it. They added a digital audio processor in there. They added a bass enhancer that would improve the music and the sound effects on Sega c d games. Mm-hmm. and then they also added an s v h s output. Do you remember the s v h s
2: not the s video
1: yeah the bas- yeah, yeah that's it the s okay. video output yeah so um so they had an s video output so you can get the enhanced video yeah um and then on top of that. For Japan, because this is very popular in Japan, not as much in the States, but there was a karaoke feature added to the system. The Japanese and the karaoke. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then they also had a MIDI output. Remember M-I-D-I, MIDI players? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It had a MIDI output that could later be used with a keyboard add-on called Piano Player. Mm. You can actually play piano on it. Now... All well and good, but at the end of the day, because it was so much, so expensive, four ninety nine, it didn't sell very well. Surprising, so, right? Very very surprising. So um, so the system kind of just fell by the wayside. Not a lot of people really know about it, and people that do know about it pretty much just know, yeah, it was a super expensive system that nobody wanted because everybody had a Genesis or a Sega CD, and that took care of the, that took care of their gaming issue. Now. Um, that's all the information I have on the JVC X, I, except for this one thing. And now I'm circling back to something that happened in St. Louis when I was at arch city gaming in St. Louis and I was looking in their display cases, what do I happen to see? I happen to see a JVC X, I, and I'm staring at it because I also like, it was one of the things I've seen online, but I've never seen a physical one in person.
2: It's like a Bigfoot
1: exactly well for me it was a little bit of a bigfoot because I, I all the stores that i've gone to all the gaming stores i've gone to in my existence i've never seen the JVC XI. so and i thought it was really cool because my current sega cd doesn't work mm. uh i've been meaning to bring it into the shop to get it fixed or just buy a new one to replace it um and the XI, i'm like sitting there and i'm like okay that's a great little combo unit um and so what did i do i bought, bought it, it. dude and that is the JVC XI right there. X apostrophe I. Yeah, there you go. X apostrophe I. Um, tested it in the store. Um, works perfectly. Looks great. Um, and again, you got your Sega Genesis here. Yeah. And you've got your Sega CD right oh, there. So it's a third. It's it's an official third party console. You know that plays Sega games exclusively. So that is what I got. At Art City Gaming, and again, a special thank you to those guys. And that is this week's. Did you know, Rich? Yeah. So I know that uh, as uh, as a as a last minute drop in co host for me this week, which I'm very appreciative of. Um, and, and I know I know your love of Metroid, right? Oh yeah, I know you're a huge fan of Metroid, and but there was another game I always associated with you specifically outside of Metroid. Uh, oh. And uh, it's not – well, there are a couple. One is Caveman Games. Oh, yeah. Because, and that, that specifically had to do with one of your birthday parties Yeah. Um, where we basically played that until – like we played it throughout the entire night until like yeah, 10 o'clock you know, in the morning. Like
2: 5, 6 o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. Uh, that may have been the first time I ever did an all-nighter uh, in my life. Uh, I did many more after that in college, but uh, that was probably the most enjoyable one. And you did it In with caveman of, games. Yes, where we just played caveman games. But um, there's another game that I automatically associate to you as soon as I hear the name of it or whenever I think about it. And I wanted to do a special retro spotlight on it. All right. um, and that game is the one and only Blaster Master.
2: Oh, my God. I love that game.
1: I know you love that game. And, you know, I used to watch you play it because I never had it. So
2: that game, uh, I was in high school I, I, it was a, probably like, I think it was actually probably the last time I played it. Um, I actually got all the way up to the last level. I got mm. to the eighth level and I just could not find the friggin' boss, for the life of me. Oh, wow. And, and it, you know, we didn't have going back, bringing it back to earlier. We didn't have save states. We didn't have anything that would go back and redo that. And I remember that was one of the hardest hitting the power buttons that I ever had to go through. Because I was just like, I can't leave it paused. You can't, you know, it's like, shit. But I was like, I'm done. I've been playing this for over three hours. I'm like, I don't want to be going with this anymore. But that game was so ahead of its time.
1: Yep. I, now I couldn't agree with you more. Um, but did you ever do the dreaded... Um... I'm going to pause the game, go to school, or do my homework, and I'll be back in a few hours, and hopefully the game is still paused so I can continue?
2: No, I never did that one. Really?
1: Yeah. I used to do that all the time with Castlevania. Nice. I would just pause it, and uh, not the second one. The second one, I think I actually had a code, but the first one, when I would play through it, I would pause it, uh, and then just go to school and hope that uh, when I came back, I would, I would be able to unpause and continue. Mm. Uh, but anyway... So uh, today's retro spotlight, or this week's retro spotlight, I should say, is going to be on Blaster Master. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run through some information about Blaster Master. You may or may not know, um, but you'll know after I'm done talking about it. There you go. So Blaster Master was developed and published by a company called Sunsoft, um, which is no longer in existence. Uh, it was released on the Nintendo Entertainment System, or the NES, uh, and then. Japan, of course, naturally always gets things first. So it was released in Japan on June 17th, 1988. It got released in North America for us in November of '88. So a few months later. Yeah. Five months later. Uh, The poor people over in Europe, though, um, got the PAL version of this game April 25th, 1991. What? Three years later. Blaster Master came out in Europe. No longer ahead of its time. Exactly. Now it's probably right around where it should be. Uh, it was also like a few months before the Super Nintendo dropped too. It was like really close to the Super Nintendo release. So the U.S. version is called Blaster Master. But the Japanese version, as we know, Japanese titles tend to be longer. Um, and I can't pronounce the Japanese version of it. But the shortened version for Blaster Master in Japanese was actually called Metafight. Hmm. Um. Not exactly sure why. Um. Also. Uh, also. Um. Of note for the game. Um. The Japanese version of the game has a different story from the American version. Like you know the backstory for it. Really. Um, well, yeah, because when they ported it to America or the or North America, they wanted to give it a story that was more relatable to you know the audience here. And the Japanese version, I think, was so more. A frog
2: running away and the boy chasing after the frog and finding this tank makes perfect sense.
1: That uh, makes total sense. Okay. Um, Keep going. Yes, and to your point, the American version talks about a ca- it's a character named Jason who follows his pet frog Fred down a hole in the earth and there he finds a tank that he uses to battle radioactive mutants. Now, to- totally names. plausible situation.
2: I did not right? remember their names were
1: Jason and Fred. Jason and Fred. That's um, funny. Well, especially if you want to make a not—I'm sure this isn't true—but let's make a horror movie connection for a minute. You have Jason and Fred, Jason and Freddy. Yeah. So I doubt that has anything to do with it. But anyway, um, the in the purpose of the game, the player controls Jason and the tank that he drives. Do you remember the name of the tank? No. The name of the tank was Sophia. Right. And like you said before, actually, not just Sophia, Sophia the third. Don't ask me. I have no idea. The first two, I guess, blew up. Um, And then to your point earlier, you play through eight levels of gameplay in order to find Fred. And then you defeat the mutants and their leader, who was known as the Plutonium Boss. That was the name of the, the head guy. So, I guess it makes sense. Radioactive mutants, plutonium. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't fight Marie Curie at the end of the game. That would have made sense. So, anyway. um, The game in general was praised for its smooth play control and level designs. The graphics were super clean. The music was probably one of the best scores you can hear on an NES game. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, However... One of the things that it got heavily criticized for, and you can relate to this because we just talked about it, no passwords, no save points. Nope. You had to run your way through this game in one shot. Okay. So, in the game itself, there are two modes of gameplay depending on the situation and the location of your player. So, the first mode is where you control the Sophia, which is the actual battle tank, right? And you're, dry, you're basically driving through the levels, and you can shoot you can shoot the radioactive mutants. And you it ran,
2: at each of the at, at as you beat each of the mutants. And some of them were great. It was that you had a hover. Mm-hmm. You were able to drive up the side of a wall. Then eventually you were able to drive up the side of the ceiling. Yeah. Um, shoot. And I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. But those are the three that I remember off the top of my head.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was going to get into that. But thank you for filling that in. Um, the other thing the other thing to keep in mind with this game was it was non-linear. So similar to um, uh, like a Metroid game, once you beat a level, at some point you can go back through that level. So just because you beat the level one boss does not mean you move on to level two and that's it. You actually do go back and forth through all the different levels. Yeah. Which is interesting. You had a a variety. You had you had uh, a a few weapons. You had guns. You had grenades, and then you had special weapons in order to get through the entire game. Um, The Blaster Master was created, so it was the brainchild of Kenji Sada, if I'm saying it correctly. It could be Sada. Um, In the credits, he's actually just known as Senta. I have no idea why.
2: Hmm.
1: But basically. The game was developed by a part-time development team of only five people. What? That's it. Wow. Five people worked on this game part-time, and that's how we got Blaster Master. By the so, way, do you yeah.
2: remember the, the, there was a cheat to beat the boss, some of the bosses, not all of the bosses?
1: I believe I, ha- I have it on my list, yes.
2: Okay, so do you want me to say it, or should I wait for you?
1: Hold, hold hold that thought. I'll come back to you to explain it. All right. Okay. So um, I told you when the 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 game was uh, originally released. Um, it was also re-released uh, me- well, Metaphite was a re- uh, was re-released, at which on the Sony PlayStation. Uh, so the Japanese version was released on the Sony PlayStation in Volume Four of Sunsoft's Memorial Series in two thousand two. Huh. Now, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming that was a Jap- that would be a Japanese import for us. Yeah, I don't think it came out here in the states that way. Um, it was also released on the Wii, the Wii's virtual console in North America in on in December of 2009. So we actually got a version of it here. Um, and then we also got let's see, MetaFight was released on the virtual console in Japan for the Wii on June 29th, 2010. Uh, and on the Nintendo 3DS in September of 2012. So this game has been released on like all Nintendo platforms, basically, uh, or most recent ones. It was also re- it's also available on the 3DS here in the US. Um, if- so if you have a 3DS, you can download it. Um, and then where it was uh, also released on the Wii U. So if you had a Wii U, the, vir- uh, the Wii U Virtual Console, you can play the last semester as well. So basically, if you haven't played this game, um, chances are you have a system that will play it, and it's definitely worth playing. Now, no sequel... Now, Blast never got a sequel, and the reason why it didn't get a sequel is because the sales weren't that great.
2: They weren't. Bottom that line.
1: strong. Yeah, poor sales. Uh, because when the game first came out, the reviews for it were really solid, but the biggest issue people had with it was that it was so difficult that without a save state of any kind, it was, like, it was virtually impossible to really get through the game unless you sat down for hours and hours and hours and just played it straight through. Yeah. So despite the good reviews it had, um, it didn't sell very well. And as a result, there was never a sequel. However, the creator of the game actually started development on another game when the North American version of Blaster Master sold well. So but since they did not release it, I guess what they did was they took the format of the game because this game had like, you know, the top down style view. And they actually worked on similar like uh, other games with that similar top down style. So we didn't get a Blaster Master 2, but you'll be happy to know that we got Gremlins 2 the new batch because of it, (laughs) which I'm sure nobody cares about. Yeah. Uh, or very few people care about. But the other game we got because of it is probably one of the most well uh well-liked licensed games based off of a film franchise, Fester's Quest. Oh, wow. Yeah. So without right, so without Blaster Master, it's very possible that we would not have gotten the great game that is Fester's Quest.
2: I remember that game too.
1: Yep. Now, At the 1992 Winter Consumer Electronics Show, also known as CES, which we still have to this day, um, Sunsoft actually announced that they were trying to develop a sequel for the Super Nintendo version instead of a sequel to the NES. Wait,
2: Uh, hold on. It got released to
1: the Genesis. Ah, yes, it did. Blaster Master 2 wound up on the Sega Genesis. But... It wasn't done by Sunsoft. It was done by another company, a developer called Software Creations. Mm. So, and then later releases, there, you know, Blaster Master wound up becoming a franchise. Because on the Game Boy, there was a game called Blaster Master Boy. Hmm. Uh, there was another game, Blaster Master Enemy Below. Huh. For the Game Boy Color. And then on the Sony PlayStation, there was Blaster Master Blasting Again. Wow, I didn't know about that one. So there were a number of Blaster Master games that came out. Um, fast forward to 2010. April, on April 1st, 2010, Sunsoft an- just announced out of the blue that they were doing a sequel for the virtual console called Blaster Master Destination Fred. Hmm. Now... Nobody knew about this game, and there was a lot of buzz about it because they were like, "Wait, this is just coming out of the blue." It was later revealed that it was an April Fool's Day joke by Sunsoft. Oh, so No, no, Blaster Master Destination Fred. Uh, okay, so November uh, on November fifth, two thousand sixteen, um, another company called Inti Creates, I N T I Creates announced that they acquired the license to the original Blaster Master game from Sunsoft. And on March 9th, 2017, we got Blaster Master Zero, which was a retro 8-bit remake of the original NES game released on the 3DS and the Switch. Really? Yeah. So if you want to play the remade version called Blaster Master Zero, and you have a Switch or a 3DS, hit up that eShop and download it.
2: I know what I'll be doing. There you go.
1: Now, uh, last two pieces of information on this. Um, let's go back to what you were talking about before with, the cheat. yeah, the cheat on how you can beat the bosses easily, specifically on levels two, four, six, and seven. It was for every level.
2: I wouldn't be able to tell you which ones that you could do. I remember the second boss was one yep. of them. But basically, what you had to do is you had to throw a grenade. And as mm-hmm. soon as the grenade exploded and started to damage the boss, you had to hit pause and just sit there for maybe about, like, 30 seconds to a minute. You'd unpause, and then it would be, it would be dead.
1: That is basically correct. Um, it, was, it was known as the grenade glitch. Uh, and like I said, it worked on half of the bosses in the game, levels two, four, six, and 7. Um, after you did the pause uh, glitch, the boss would be down to, like, its last energy. So you just had to hit him with one more shot of a grenade, and he'd be done. So, yeah. quick and easy way to beat half the bosses in the game. And then the last thing to point out about the Blaster Master, uh, the Bla- the original Blaster Master game. I don't know if you remember Rich, but there were um, scholastic books released a bunch of Nintendo uh, like novelizations of Nintendo games called I believe it was the World of Power series. Yeah, I remember. Right. One of the World of Power series books was Blaster Master. Blaster Master. So you had a novelization a loose novelization of the of the story, you know, from the game itself. So, and I'm sure that's one of those rare books to come across. So, if you ever come across a World of Power Blaster Master, just uh, pick it up and uh, add it to your collection.
2: Yeah, actually, what's really funny that you bring you bring up the game, um, why? I just maybe like three weeks ago sat down with my buddy Nas, and. Um, we both have a thing for speedruns. So okay. it's like the Ninja Gaiden speedruns. We've watched the Mega Man speedruns, the Zelda speedruns. And I was like, you know what, man? I was like, I, ne- I told him the story how I could never find the freaking last boss of, uh, what's it called? And I was like, I'd be curious to see what's the speed run of, uh, of Blaster Master. And I think it was actually mm-hmm. like 35 minutes. Wow. The thing is, and I will tell you, there was some cheating going on in there.
1: I was just going to say, what are the, yeah, how many cheats are happening?
2: Um, no, no hacks, just cheating. Basically, so what you would do, what the guy would do is there are certain, because as you pointed out, you needed to go back in, in um, to backtrack to get to certain, to other levels. Mm-hmm. So the, what the game would do though is if you had to continue, it put you, no matter where you were in the level, even if you were at the boss, it would actually take you. And send you all the way back to the beginning of the level. Oh wow! What he did is he would actually go. He would um, kill the defeat the boss and either die on the last hit, mm-hmm. and then be able to launch all the way back. I think it was something. I might be getting it wrong though. I might say I think he went grab the um, the part that he needed for the the for uh, Sophia,
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: would die, and then he would shoot him all the way back to the start of the level. So then he would just press up go to the next level and then that.
1: wow yeah okay yeah i mean the, the, you know speed speed running is a whole other topic we can talk about and like how legitimate you consider a speed run based on what kind of like hacks and cheats go on mm-hmm. so but um uh but yeah cool that you looked up a blaster master one because there are so many different cheats um uh, or so many different speed runs out there and whatnot um but blaster master again one of those games that um Probably d- it didn't get enough credit that the the credit that it deserved at the time. Yeah. Due to the sales of the game, but uh, definitely was you know if you look at any top one hundred NES game lists anywhere, yeah. get it's guaranteed to show up there somewhere. Yep. Yeah. You know, depending on what it is. So uh, that's all the information I have for you on Blaster Master Rich, and I hope you enjoyed and learned a few things about it. it did. And this that is this week's retro spotlight. All right, Rich. We've gone through quite a lot of stuff so far today. I've got one little bit of information left for you, and it's a bit and it's a big one. We are going to celebrate a retro birthday today. Ooh, what's that one? Uh, and it's a it's a big one. It's actually a pretty big one. So this week's retro birthday. This game came out in nineteen ninety nine, January twenty first, nineteen ninety nine, to be exact. So it is celebrating its twentieth anniversary. Okay. It was released on the Nintendo 64.
2: Ah, uh, see, now you're going to lose me because I, was, I wasn't an N64 guy.
1: Ah, yes, but do you have a Nintendo Switch? No. Oh, uh, you really need a Nintendo Switch.
2: Yeah, so I've heard.
1: Yes. But anyway, um, it is the 20th anniversary of the iconic Super Smash Brothers. Oh, Wow. Super Smash Brothers was born January 21st, 1999, on the Nintendo 64. Fast forward 20 years later, and now everybody is enjoying Nintendo Switch's version of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah. Myself included. I've been but playing. Did, did you ever play the original Smash Brothers?
2: You know, it's funny. I am not a Smash Brothers person. Really? I, you give me a Mortal Kombat, love it. Give me a Street Fighter, love it. Any number of other ones, I can get, I can get into them. I cannot. I am terrible, absolutely terrible, at
1: Smash. It's fine. I'm. I'm not that great at Smash either. I can get by on it, but I'm definitely not a master of the game. I. But I love the chaos that ensues. Mm-hmm. It's just completely chaotic, uh, and for that alone, it's fun. And Smash Brothers Ultimate has every single character yep. that has ever been made in the series. To me, it's like the equivalent of what Mortal Kombat Trilogy was when it came out.
2: Yeah. By the way, who's your main?
1: Who's my, what, for Smash? For Ultimate. Oh, for Ultimate, who's my go-to? Gotta be uh, Link. Link? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, What else would I say? Take a
2: wild guess which one's mine.
1: Uh, Samus.
2: Right game, wrong character.
1: Oh, crap. Which, who am I thinking of? I'm not thinking.
2: It is from Metroid.
1: Right, I don't know Metroid that well, so uh, Ridley. Oh, Ridley, duh, that's the only other name at least I can think of. All right, sense. well, that makes sense for you, yeah. But yeah, and it's funny when you talk about that because, um, uh, considering all the characters that are in the game, people will tell you, well, the most powerful one is this X, Y, and Z, blah blah blah. We're always going to gravitate towards the characters for the games that we love. Like, I have a friend who loves using Kirby, but he's also played like every Kirby game ever made. Mm. Um, Whereas I have never played a single Kirby game.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Neither have I.
1: Yeah, see? Um, Or, you know, uh, another go-to would be uh, Pikachu. People love Pikachu. And I have, to this day, yet to play a traditional Pokemon game. I've played Pokemon Stadium, Puzzle League, Snap, those games, but I've never played an actual, like, Pokemon Red or Blue or Gold or any of those. Same here. yeah, see, but um, the beauty of Smash Brothers is you get all these characters mixed up together and you get to battle it out. And it's just a lot of fun. And the fact that uh, 20 years later, it's still going strong is just a testament to how strong, how popular the franchise is. So a very happy, uh, happy 20th birthday uh, to, to, Smash Super, Brothers. to Super Smash Brothers. And that is this week's retro birthday. There you go. Well, Rich, I think we're uh, we're at the end here. Uh, and first off, I just want to say, uh, thank you so much for, you know, co-hosting with me this week. I actually think it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks,
2: man. I, I, I had a lot of fun doing this. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. You, you especially made all the legal crap we talked about in the beginning a lot more palatable, uh, because that stuff is just dry and boring sometimes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and just the, uh, having to deal with it from a gamer side of it too.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, as gamers, it's something we always fight, you know, we always got to struggle with. Um, but um, before we close out, really quickly, um, what retro game have you always wanted to beat but you never could? I was just thinking about that.
2: All right. Well, going with what we talked about before, Blaster Master. But that aside, but you beat that one. No, I never beat Blaster. Oh, you
1: never beat that one. Oh crap! No. I thought you did.
2: No. Um, so going back, the I've beaten Contra. On the Nintendo, I could do it with just the two guys. I could wow. do that. Uh, I've beaten Contra for the, for the arcade. Done that, no problem. I've beaten Super C on the NES. I've never beaten Super C on the arcade. Really? Yep. Okay. I can barely get past the second level.
1: But that's the one that you want to do? Yep. Okay. Well, then uh, I'm going to propose a challenge for you. Uh-oh. So uh no no i'm just saying i just want to propose a challenge for you because now we've talked about a few things for either Su- the arcade version of super c which may be a little bit more harder to come by but let's go back to blaster master because i honestly thought that you defeated blaster master but since you know now that you can download blaster master zero on your 3ds mm-hmm. and i'm assuming at this point now there's a save feature and whatnot i challenge you to go back and finish the original blaster master even if it is zero Challenge accepted there you go. And then, you know, would love to hear uh, an update on that on one of our future episodes sooner or later at some point through the year. Um, also, um, one other thing I wanted to throw out there as well. When I talked about the JVC XI, I forgot to mention our 2019 contest. Now, Ooh. Uh, Larry and I um, have a contest going on, thanks to Josh from Victims and Villains. Now, in 2018, we had a contest where I won a Virtual Boy. Really. Um, I did because the contest was whoever spent the most money buying retro games throughout the year had to buy what essentially lost the contest because they spent too much money had to buy the other person a virtual boy. So I show this off every week to show the spoils of my victory. I own a virtual boy which Larry want, you know, which Larry really really wants to get a hold of and I've already promised him that I'm going to destroy this virtual boy. So that's now I'm now I'm just milking it for what it's worth, and I'm having fun doing that. But the 2019 contest now is whoever buys the rarest retro game or console um, wins the contest at the end of the year. Um, Josh will decide whoever bought the rarest item, mm-hmm. and then the loser has to buy the winner uh, something retro game related worth 100 bucks. Not bad. So. The JVC-XI at the moment is what I've proposed as the rarest item so far this year. And since we're only in the third week of January, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more shopping to come. But I think I got a good edge here already.
2: Yeah, uh, dude, I'm going to say you got a leg up on the competition
1: at the moment. I definitely do, especially since Larry hasn't bought anything yet. So I definitely have a leg up now. Uh, but that's our 2019 contest, and you'll hear about that throughout the year as we go on. But, um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, we, ta- you know, we talked semester. We talked the legal stuff. We went through. Uh, we went through, you know, a very uh, a rare console. All in all, you know, good show. Good show, man. Yeah. So you know, just again, thank you so much, Rich, for uh, for joining us this week. Uh, for everybody else out there, um, you can uh, listen to us on. Uh, you can listen to the Retro Gamers podcast everywhere you listen to regular podcasts. So we're on iHeart Radio. We're on Spreaker, iTunes, uh, Amazon Alexa. You can just say. You can just say, play Retro Gamers Podcast, and she will, um, which is very nice of her. Um, you can see us. Uh, you can uh, go to our website, the, uh, www.theretrogamers.com. On Facebook, facebook.com slash retrogamerspodcast. On Instagram, at um, retrogamerspodcast. And, uh, God, I don't know. We have so much. We, have, we basically have stuff everywhere. You can also watch our episodes on YouTube if you don't want to listen to them. You can actually see our ugly mugs, including Rich, who's now been immortalized on video. Um, and then, uh, Rich, what, what do you have going on? Anything going on? Uh, just uh, basically playing
2: Metroid Samus Returns. Go figure. It comes back to Metroid again.
1: Everything circles back to Metroid with you, man. I don't understand. You're going to have to sit down with me and play Metroid because I have never completed a Metroid game.
2: Really? Nope. All right. So, the uh, next time we, we get together, definitely pulling out the original Metroid, which was – that was brutally hard.
1: Yes, and you know me, I don't mind a challenge, so I will, hap- I will happily sit down with you and play through Metroid.
2: Back in the day, I used to be able to plow through Super Metroid in an hour and 50 minutes. Wow. That save, st- that save is still on my, su- my Super Metroid, which, by the way,
1: <laughs> there you go. Very, and original packaging, too, very oh, nice. Yeah. Very impressive, sir. There Ooh. you go. Well, I have Super Metroid on my uh, SNES Classic, so uh, I can play through it on there. There you go. But uh, but yeah. So uh, that is uh, that is another week of the Retro Games Podcast. Tune in next week when uh, Larry will make his triumphant return, uh, and uh, we will catch you on the flip side. Sounds good, man.
0: It's Kohl's Super Cyber Monday. Shop online and save with an extra $10 off $50. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 20% off. Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Save on Queens in our Air Fryer and get 40% off Lego. Plus, free store pickup. Shop Super Cyber Monday today only at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select style. Select deals valid November 30th only. 10 off 50 offer valid November 30th online only with promo code jackpot. 20% offer valid November 28th or December 2nd with promo code 20 off. Fitbit and Lego offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohl's.com for details.